wake up. Well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk... Oklahoma is just hours away from kicking off game number two of the 2023 college football season. The Sooners hosting the SMU Mustangs, both teams coming into this game with an equal 1-0 record. Oklahoma 14.5 point favorite over and under has been set at 65, excuse me, 68.5. If you ended this time, I think the ESPN matchup predictor has Oklahoma with an 89.9% chance of winning the game. What's up, everybody? This is Matt and the Sooner Nation podcast. A day late, I'm sorry, a day late for those of you who regularly listen, download, subscribe to the podcast, a day late on this uh, game preview, but life has uh, taken me across the pond uh, over in London for this week, and um, that means like Saturday night, the game kicks off at 11 p.m. for me. So, I mean, look, that's you got to wait another day for the podcast, but uh, then I got to wait all day Saturday to 11 p.m. to watch the game. Uh, but that's the life we live. Hey, we're going to do a short preview of this game. We're talking about four things to watch for in Oklahoma's uh, game against SMU and then some key players with uh, along with a uh, prediction at the end. Oklahoma with a fascinating um, st- start to the season, 73 to nothing over Arkansas State. But it was Arkansas State, and there's not really a lot that we learned from this team other than I think you can confidently say they're a lot more organized and they're a lot deeper and they're a lot faster. Those are really the three things, the three main takeaways I believe that you can get from that season opener. SMU is going to bring in an offense that's definitely going to, I believe, challenge this defense way more than than Arkansas State was able to do. And also on the flip side of the ball, I think the SMU defense, which I don't believe is fantastic, but I do believe that they're going to give up uh, a little bit more of a challenge to Oklahoma. The Sooners 642 yards of total offense last week. Now, SMU is not coming off of a great um, opponent either. They played Louisiana Tech to open up their season, and they won 38-14, to gave up 269 yards uh, of total offense to Louisiana Tech. And now the question is, it's really kind of the same question you have with Oklahoma. Was Oklahoma's offense really that good to merit 642 yards, or was it a combination of the speed of play, the increase in team speed, the year of experience, and this offense taking another step from year one to year two of Jeff Levy, and then you combine that to just the pitiful, pitiful performance that Arkansas, Arkansas State had on defense. That could be playing in a little bit more uh, with Louisiana Tech, their defense, um, their offense versus this SMU defense. But regardless, I think both sides of the ball, Oklahoma absolutely is going to get a stronger test than what they did in week one. Um, Another interesting note about this game, it's the first of two consecutive games for the Sooners against American Athletic Conference opponents. Oklahoma obviously playing SMU at home uh, on Saturday and then traveling next weekend to Tulsa to play the Golden Hurricane. So let's break this down. What are some things that we want to watch for in this game? I I believe there's four four things that I'm going to be looking for uh, when this game comes on. The the first thing is, um, sticking with this defensive theme, is can they get pressure on the quarterback? If you're going to look for one thing to complain about Oklahoma's defense in their performance against Arkansas State, it was the lack of pressure on the quarterback. 
Now, Brent Venables was able to explain that away. I think Gamefield backed up what he said uh, by, by really looking at two different things. The first thing was this. Oklahoma didn't stunt and they didn't blitz in that game. The second thing is that um, Arkansas State was was in max protection on their deep uh, quarterback drop. So Arkansas State was either getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand really, really fast, or they were in max protection on deep drops. That's why you had to wait till Ethan Downs in garbage time uh, to get Oklahoma sack on Saturday. That's not going to be the case. I don't believe that's the case this Saturday because you've got a quarterback in Preston Stone for SMU who completed 62.2% of his passes last Saturday threw for 248 yards and he tossed three touchdown passes. Now they're balanced. This is a balanced offensive attack against Louisiana Tech, SMU, Managed 38 passing plays to 42 running plays. Now, again, that's pretty close to balance. I believe the reason you tend more heavily on the running here is because SMU's offense sets up a little bit like what Oklahoma was really doing with Lincoln Riley. We're kind of figuring out what they're going to do with Jeff Levy, but I think it's going to be more of the same, where you use the run to set up the pass. Now, um, the thing about it is, is SMU also was working with the lead. So obviously you run more clock by running more plays. Um, but um, when you look at SMU's four touchdowns of the day last week against Louisiana Tech, the first three of those came through the air um, and they averaged in length just under 34 yards, average touchdown pass. Meaning this, SMU is going to try to go deep which means Preston Wilson is going to have time in the pocket, which means there's going to be opportunity for Oklahoma's defense to crash in. Uh, and and I don't know that he's a strong, strong runner where you got to kind of like protect the edge. You definitely want to keep him in the pocket, but I don't think you got to worry about Preston Stone just jumping out there and running 30, 35 yards down the field like some other quarterbacks Oklahoma will face this season will have the propensity to do. You keep him in the pocket, you bring pressure up the middle, either through stunting or blitzing, and you gotta get you gotta get pressure on him. I and mean, that's just that's just something that has to happen. Can they do that? You can explain it away from in week one when you're playing an inferior Arkansas State team. When you go, you step up to SMU. You know, this time next year, the 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 Mustangs can tout the fact that they're going to be in the ACC. Still, not the case here. They're American Conference, but still, you you put SMU against against that Arkansas State team. I don't know that they win seventy three to nothing, but they still clean clean up on Butch Jones and company. Much much much. I'm trying to, how do I say this? It's a larger step up in competition for Oklahoma this week than what we saw last week. So can the defense get the pressure? Because if you can't get it this week, then you've got a problem. I, I don't believe you can identify a problem after week one. I I accept the uh, the explanation. I think people who are rationally minded accept the explanation but you don't get quarterback pressure in week two against a guy who's going to drop back and throw it uh, 35 to 45 times a game. Um, you're going to be in trouble here. you got to get the pressure on. Um, the second thing I want to know I'm going to be looking for on Saturday uh, with this Oklahoma offense now, flipping sides of the ball, how deep will the running back rotation go? I don't know about you. I mean, I really don't know about you. Uh, but I was super surprised, super surprised that it was Tawee Walker, uh, Tawi Walker, however you guys, I mean, some people say, well, some way, some people say the other, but I was super surprised. He was number one. Uh, he was the first guy in the game, first guy to get a carry, you know, for for that, for that, if you want to go top tier running backs, and you have to forgive me uh, if you're a Dylan Smothers or a Caleb Hicks fan, because those are true freshmen, 
definitely not top tier guys just yet. But if you're talking about the guys at the top of this depth chart, it was Walker, Major, and Barnes in that order getting into this game. Now you're going to throw in a Gavin Saltchuk guy who's probably going to be um, still not 100%, but good enough to be able to play in this game. What does that do with this running back rotation? It's interesting to note, and this will come back around whenever we talk about our players to watch. It's interesting to note that Javante Barnes, he was the last guy to come in of that upper tier running back room. He was the last guy to get on the field, but he led the team and carried uh, rushing attempts with forty uh, with 13, uh, 13 attempts, 49 yards. Now you throw Sawchuck in there. So the question is, is this the week? Is this the weekend where you begin to see that running back rotation transition towards these younger guys, towards Barnes and Salchuk? Or are they going to stick with, hey, man, you know, Marcus Major and Tawi Walker, they, these guys have, have earned their stripes. They've earned the right to be up there, the first guys on the field. I, I think you're going to get into the point of play where, you don't want the guys who have earned the right to be the first guys on the field. You want the guys who have the biggest bang for the buck to be the first guys on the field. And so I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if if there's a little bit difference in that rotation. Remember last week, Walker, Major, Barnes. What if Barnes is the second or the first guy and where do you put Salchuk in there? I, I think Salchuk probably is going to be worked in and much the same manner of Barnes, you know, uh, kind of get the flow of the game going. You know, the opening series is Walker. The second series is Major. Third series was Salchuk. I can see that going like like Barnes, Major, Salchuk. Uh, excuse me. Third series last week was Barnes. This week I can see that third series being, series being Salchuk. So I want to know how deep did this running back rotation go? Because I don't think it's going to be 73 to nothing. I don't think you can reach down all the way to the freshman this week. I'm expecting this to be a competitive game. And you can hate me for that if you want to. Uh, I hate myself for it. But the reality is I've got to see this defense really defend against a, a, a true offense that is balanced and has the ability to go deep. And that's what the Mustangs bring to the table. So I'm expecting it to be a competitive game. Speaking of going deep, here's the third thing I'm wanting to watch for, is how do the Mustangs defend Oklahoma receiver Andrew Anthony? The Michigan transfer was spectacular last week. I uh, set the tone on the opening drive, 45-yard bomb uh, from Dylan Gabriel. And then basically after that, Arkansas State felt that it would be better for them to accept a 15-yard pass interference penalty as opposed to letting him continue to catch those downfield bombs. How do they defend him? I don't see. I mean, they may. They may try to say, look, we got better horses than what Arkansas State did. They may try to go one-on-one. I don't think you can defend. I don't think there's a guy in the American Conference who can defend Andrew Anthony one-on-one. I'm not basing that just on what I saw on Saturday against Arkansas State. I think you go back to his Big Ten days in the two years at Michigan, and you can see Big Ten guys struggle to defend him one-on-one. I believe if SMU tries to do this, it's a huge mistake. And I think this is where you look at one of Oklahoma's very first advantages in this game is you got to, I believe, if you're SMU, you have to play over the top. You have to rotate a safety over the top of Andrew Anthony to keep him from beating you deep. Now, what that's going to do, what it should do, 
is it open up things mid-range and across the middle. A guy like Jalil Farouk or maybe something from the tight end position. Austin Stogner was not involved in the passing game last week. Is this the week where Austin Stogner actually gets in there, not just to block, but to catch passes, particularly in the red zone? Once Oklahoma gets 25, I know technically the red zone is 20 in. I think for, for Jeff Levy's group, the red zone starts around the 25. What do you do with a guy like Austin Stogner if you're running a safety deep, if the defense is running the safety deep over a guy like Andrew Anthony? Again, Jacques Bedaway, those guys. Number one, how do they defend him? And then number two, how does uh, Jeff Lebby and company take advantage of that? Because you, you have an advantage either way. You try to you try to defend Anthony one on one. You have the advantage advantage of having the fastest guy on the field. You try to defend Anthony by putting a safety over the top. You have the advantage of, of creating a mismatch between a guy like Austin Stogner and a linebacker, or even Austin Stogner against a smaller defensive back. You have those those type of mismatches that Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy are going to have to identify and then take advantage of because this is the type of game where not only can you do that, but you absolutely need to do that. Look for some shots early on down the field with Andrew L. Anthony. Look for those shots, much like what we saw at Arkansas State, to set the tone to get SMU to try to switch into whatever defense that they really, really plan to run against this guy um, and, and and moving on. So just, just to go back, um, can Oklahoma's defense get to the quarterback? How deep will Oklahoma go in the running back rotation? How does SMU defend against Andrew Anthony? And then here's the last thing, and then we're going to switch over to Oklahoma defense for this. Can Oklahoma's defense stand tall on fourth down? The Oklahoma, like I said earlier, it's hard. It's really hard to criticize what this defense did in week one. Honestly, I think even going after the lack of a pass rush is is pretty much nitpicking to, to do that. Um, but now it won't be the case after week two because SMU, they're, they're light years. Offensively, they are light years ahead of where Arkansas State is, and that's going to present a challenge uh, to Oklahoma's defense. And even... Even if you get them behind the chains, you get that pressure in there, you make a a tackle for a loss, you get a quarterback sack, that doesn't mean you're out of the woods yet with this SMU offense because the Mustangs were three or four. They went for it. uh, They had four fourth down attempts where they went for it last week against Louisiana Tech, um, converted 75% of the time. And you'd be foolish. You'd be foolish to think that these guys aren't going to have that same mindset coming coming into Norman. SMU has nothing to lose in this game. They're a 15 and a half point underdog. They're playing a team that they're not supposed to beat on the road. So of course, absolutely, they're going to go for it on fourth down. And so you're going to see, I believe, Oklahoma's defense challenged in many, many facets of the game that they weren't challenged in a week ago. And one of those is going to be fourth and medium. I mean, if you're if you're fourth and five and are under, I think SMU, based on where they are field position, I think, especially 100%, I believe this, if they're in plus territory, SMU is going to be going for it on fourth downs. Four attempts against LA, um, against Louisiana Tech, I expect at least that many uh, against this Oklahoma defense to see if they can find success. The way you shut that down, uh, them, and what, what I mean shut it down, is a shut down them attempting to go for it on fourth down, is you got to lock them up. You got to make them go 0 for 1 on fourth down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. I think once you get to 0 for 3 on fourth down, you start thinking, yeah, this isn't working. But you give them success early on on fourth down, they're going to keep keep building that confidence and keep trying to do it and go for it. So they're balanced on how they run their offense. They're balanced on how they go for it on fourth down. 
Uh, they had four attempts, like we already talked about last week against Louisiana Tech. Two of those were rushing. Two of them were passing. Now, it's worth noting, uh, the one that didn't convert, they converted on three of the four. The one that didn't convert was a running play. And, and I do believe you're looking at, again, we talked about mismatches, right? I said Andrew Anthony, one of the early mismatches Oklahoma has in this game. I think the other side of the ball, one of the mismatches that Oklahoma is going to have against SMU will be the Oklahoma's defensive line against SMU's offensive line. I think this is a, this again, when, when you look at the starters that Oklahoma ran out there, these guys aren't, they're not playing. It's not like, hey, you earned this spot by, by working hard in practice and, and, you know, being a leader or whatever, staying true to the program or doing whatever, you dotting your I's and crossing your T's. Nope, you earned this spot because you're the most lethal guy that we have to put in that spot. And I think that's why you saw the, the starting defensive front that you saw against Arkansas State. I don't expect that to change on Saturday against SMU. It's a defensive front that I believe can get after it. They can stunt. They can bring in linebackers. Uh, the cheated position, we'll talk about that here in a little bit when we talk about our players to watch. I think the cheated position comes in pretty crucial this week as well. So there you have it. That's four things I'm going to watch for on Saturday. Really curious what you're going to be looking for. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. On Twitter, you can go online, heartland-sports.com, find our website, find the podcast page, drop a comment there. What are you looking for from this Oklahoma football team, offensively, defensively, special teams-wise? What are you looking for against the Mustangs on Saturday evening? Uh, let's talk next about the key players for this game on both sides of the ball, and then we'll wrap up with a score prediction. So let's do a quick recruiting uh, update because Nigel Smith, four-star defensive end uh, out of Melissa, Texas, is going to be making his uh, announcement here pretty quick. Uh, he's got four crystal ball predictions from 24-7 Sports. All those predictions are towards Oklahoma. Probably by the time you download and listen to this podcast pregame, uh, Smith would have already made his decision uh, because I think that's coming um, in less than two hours at the time I'm recording this. So odds are, unless you're one of the very first people to listen to the podcast, it's going to have happened. Uh, Smith is a four-star defensive line prospect, number uh, 12 composite for 24-7 sports, number 12 defensive lineman uh, in the nation, number 16 overall prospect from the state of Texas. It does look like he's... Um, a heavy lean towards Oklahoma, but Ohio State, Penn State, Texas A&M, and Rutgers, ironically, are all involved there. And the reason why I mentioned Texas A&M is because anytime, uh, anytime that the Aggies are involved, that means there's a big bag of cash involved. And so it's just going to be a matter of what's his price. Um, is, is it just all about money uh, moving from the prep level to the collegiate level? Uh, is it about player development? Is it about education? Is it about program? Um, I mean, is it, I mean, what is it about? Um, and because if it's, a, it's about the bag, uh, you know Texas A&M has an advantage there. But it looks like Oklahoma, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis have done a pretty good job at recruiting him. Another guy to keep an eye on, he is from Oklahoma, from the Tulsa area, the the homeschool guy from Noah, uh, Danny Okoye. He's a composite four-star guy. Um, again, looking at composite, the number one guy from the state of Oklahoma, number 10 player nationally. He's He's got 30 offers that he's sitting on right now as well. Uh, and, and Oklahoma seems to be in there uh, as a favorite for him as well. So Oklahoma can do a lot for their 2023 class uh, by getting um, – 
by getting a couple of commitments, hopefully starting very, very soon. I said 2023, 2024, uh, hopefully getting a commitment here pretty quick from Nigel Smith. The Sooners with 22 commitments right now for the class of 2024. Uh, it's, a, it's a class ranking of number 12 currently. Um, I believe that's the highest ranked class in the Big 12 uh, number 12 nationally by 24-7 sports. Uh, they had like 20-plus recruits last weekend for the Arkansas State game. A lot of positive things were said by the recruits following that game. Uh, but here we go. Let's let's talk about the game itself, moving in Oklahoma SMU again. Uh, some players that we want to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll start with the quarterbacks because I think Dylan Gabriel's performance last week, 308 yards, two touchdowns, also had the rushing touchdown um, pretty solid. Uh, he wasn't needed very much in the running game. He flashed that he could do it uh, by the, with that second quarter rushing touchdown. But, um, you know, a big deal for Dylan Gabriel to go out and lead the way he did because of what's behind him now. Last year, there was nothing behind him. But now you got five-star recruit Jackson Arnold, who looked pretty good as well against what was a beaten up and depleted SMU defense by the time Arnold came in the game. Not trying to take away from Jackson Arnold's performance, just trying to be realistic about his performance. Dylan Gabriel has to be efficient. He's going to have to make the good reads, and then he's going to have to hit some tight windows. Um, that's why I talked earlier about Andrew Anthony and, and taking advantage of whatever SMU does. Uh, to, to jump back to that conversation, this is where, I mean, it doesn't matter if Andrew Anthony is 45 yards down the field, open by 10 yards. If Dylan Gabriel can't make the throw, then it doesn't matter what Andrew Anthony does. It doesn't matter if SMU rolls over the top with the safety of Andrew Anthony, and then you have Jalil Farouk, or you've got, uh, you know, you you you've got Austin Stogner, or you got whoever else running underneath. Um, I, I think if Dylan Gabriel can't make that throw, what's going to happen this week? Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. That's really not that bold. That every overthrow, every underthrow, every missed read. You're going to start people, you're going to have people start talking about, hey, maybe Jackson Arnold should get in the game. Maybe Jackson Arnold should get in the game. And Dylan Gabriel is either going to either squelch that out or he's going to feed that fire. And, and don't think we won't do it. Don't think as Oklahoma fans, we won't go there because we already saw it. I mean, the coaches have changed, the quarterbacks have left, but we, the fans, are still the same fans that were clamoring for Caleb Williams over Spencer Rattler. And you're talking about two five-star guys. Dylan Gabriel's not a five-star guy. The guy behind him is a five-star guy. So if we'll ask for and complain about and beg for and chant for even to have a five-star replace a five-star, then what won't we do to have a five-star replace Dylan Gabriel I think Dylan Gabriel is the guy. He's the best guy to run this offense because of his experience at the collegiate level, because of his experience with Jeff Levy. Now he's got to go out and prove guys like me right and prove the other part of the fan base that wants to see Jackson Arnold throw into the fire, prove them wrong. So Dylan Gabriel's got got a lot of responsibility against this SMU defense. But then on the other side of the ball, you've got on the other side of the field, you've got Preston Stone, 248 yards last week against three uh, and three touchdowns against that Louisiana Tech defense. Again, Oklahoma's going to bring probably a better pass rush. The Sooners look faster and and longer, if you will, uh, in that defensive secondary. So uh, Preston Stone, uh, he's a quarterback. Um he's a he's a quarterback who can he he can make you pay if you give him time. And there's not a defensive secondary 
in the nation at any level that can give you 100% blanket coverage for beyond eight to nine seconds. And so you you got to take away Preston Stone's time in the pocket um, because he'll carve you up. If you leave him back there, he'll carve you up. So it goes back to what we said earlier about the defensive line and getting pressure back there. Uh, this is obviously the best quarterback Oklahoma has seen this season, but I think he's probably going to be the best quarterback Oklahoma sees over the next several games, uh, in a few games at least, until they get into conference play. So this is a good outlier, a good, a good competition. And, and I tell you what, He's got, let's, let's talk about another player to watch because he's got a guy in LJ Johnson who, um, sorry, that's the running back. He's got a guy in Jordan Hudson who caught two passes for 72 yards last week. All right. So we talked about Andrew Anthony being able to get deep behind a secondary to have that blazing speed. Well, guess what? Hudson's that same guy, uh, for, for SMU. Compare him. Let's, let's compare him to Nick Anderson for just a second. Because Nick Anderson came in uh, later on in the game, uh, made two catches, 68 yards. And what have we been talking about this whole week post uh, the Oklahoma-Arkansas State game? We talked about how impressive Nick Anderson was, even though he only had two catches. How We talked about the potential. We talked about the upside. We talked about the playmaking ability. We talked about how he can fit and work more into this offensive rotation. We talked about this guy extensively based off of two catches for 68 yards. Well... SMU has the exact same dude in Hudson who had two catches for 72 yards, and one of them was a score. By the way, Nick Anderson's Oklahoma's leading receiver uh, in yardage, which blew out one of my predictions because he beat Angel Anthony by two yards. The point is, there is a, there is a speed burner guy in SMU's offense, and that's going to put some pressure on Oklahoma's defense much the same way that Anthony is going to put on the SMU defense. So now let's go to the running backs. Uh, let's talk about Javante Barnes for Oklahoma for just a minute because we've already mentioned him in the podcast. But I think this is the time where we see Javante Barnes take over as that number one option uh, in Oklahoma's offense. But here's the thing. he 13 carries, 3.8 yards per carry uh, is what he averaged. Um, he didn't score. All the scores belong to other running backs, but his career as as short as it is uh 2022 season he had 116 yard 116 carries uh, averaging 4.5 yards uh per carry in 2022 i'm pointing that out because i think his yards per carry average has to go up it has to go up from 3.8 last week if he's going to be that guy if he's going to move in to that number 1 spot i think he's got to he's got to bump up to at least you know somewhere around four, four point three or higher, um, because that's where you want to be. You you want to be that you know uh, three yards in a cloud of dust is the old offensive saying. But really, what you want is a four yard. Uh, you want a four yard per carry guy at this level with this type of offense. Barnes is almost there again. The, I think of the guys that played last week, uh, he's the guy that has the biggest upside. I think once you throw Salchuk in the mix. He's your playmaker. Salchuk's that guy that can really beat you uh, and with different facets of his game. He he's he's fast uh, through the gap. He's got that breakaway speed, but also he can he can hit you um, on a on a five yard flat route that he can turn into an eighty yard down the field type type situation because of the speed. So I think 
I think Javante Barnes is the guy uh, that Oklahoma needs to kind of ride, uh, hitch their wagon to, if I can use a Toby Rowland type uh, analogy there, and let him just kind of power that offense. On the other side of the field, though, you've got LJ Johnson, who is the workhorse for SMU. 14 carries last week, 128 yards. He had a rushing touchdown. Uh, LJ Johnson is, he's going to be the guy. He's only a sophomore, 5'10, 211 pounds. Um, and he's a guy, you know, average, we, we talked about that average yards per carry. Well, if you quick math here, 128 yards off of 14 carries, that's, that's a little bit over nine yards per carry. And uh, his longest run of the game against Louisiana tech was 67 yards. That helps bump up uh, that average a little bit, but Oklahoma's defense, what you see is this week, they're going to be tested, uh, because of balance, they're going to be tested because of playmakers uh, on, on all, all three phases. You got a playmaker at quarterback. You got a playmaker at receiver. You got a playmaker at running back. Now, Oklahoma's got to counter that with some defensive guys. They got to counter that by matching playmaker for playmaker. And the guy I didn't mention when we're talking about Oklahoma's offense, I'm going to bring him back around because I kind of hinted at him earlier. But Jalil Farouk is a guy, I, if you had me placing wagers on which Oklahoma receiver would not catch a pass in the season opener against Arkansas State, Jalil Farouk would not have been my guy. I wouldn't have picked, I would have never thought about him not catching a pass because he's supposed to be the guy that, that kind of steps in and takes over on this offense uh, as far as volume catches. Well, he's behind the chains, so to speak, on that now. Um, Jalil Farouk, this is his game, I believe. Because of everything I already said about Andrew Anthony, don't want to beat that dead horse. But I think the guy that steps up into that role is going to be the two best candidates, in my opinion, Jalil Farouk, Austin Stogner. Um, and I think Jalil Farouk has a little bit of a flip side advantage on that because if he's already the chemistry he's already established, uh, that's maybe that safety blanket type type mentality with Dylan Gabriel. When you flip over to the defensive side of the ball, I think there's there's two guys really for Oklahoma, two guys for SMU. They're going to be some of the difference makers, and and I'm going to mess up this name, okay? For SMU, it's their safety, uh, Isaiah Nwokoba. Um, six tackles to lead the team last week, but there's something interesting to note about here. Six tackles from the safety position, which lets me know guys are either running pass-heavy offenses uh, from Louisiana Tech last week, or running backs are getting to the second level of the defense. So whenever you see a defensive back, a safety particularly, as your leading tackler, you got to figure out which one of the two is it. Is it a pass-heavy offense, or is it guys getting to the second level, beyond the second level uh, of the defense? And when you look at the stats from that Louisiana Tech SMU game, the reality is that they they SMU excuse me, Louisiana Tech ran the ball 24 times and they only averaged 1.2 yards per carry. So you know it wasn't guys getting to the second level of the defense. So what it means is, to me, uh, that this guy, the safety, I, I, I did his name once, I'm not going to try it again, but he's a, he's a ball hawk. He's, he's around 33 passing uh, attempts last week uh, for Louisiana Tech. He's going to be the guy who's going to be around the ball. Um, and so you you got to, to me, I think that's the guy they're going to put over top of Andrew Anthony. So that's who I'm looking at there on the defensive side of the ball, first and foremost for him. And then the second guy you got to look at, I think, for Oklahoma is a linebacker, Alexander Kilgore, who um, had three. He only had three tackles last week, but 
he had two sacks. And so he's a guy you're going to, they're going to bring uh, pressure with, in my opinion, based off of what you saw on film last week. Alexander Kilgore is going to be that guy who tries to come in and make those plays on Dylan Gabriel on the obvious passing downs, or maybe even when they're trying to guess if it's a pass play or not. So th- those are the two defensive guys for SMU. I think when you flip over to Oklahoma's side of the field, the, the two guys are to me are pretty obvious. Number one is Danny Stutzman. Uh, Danny Stutzman is the quarterback of this defense. I thought he did a pretty, a pretty decent, well, a better than decent job last week at getting the defense lined up. Um, putting them in position to try to make the plays, looking over, getting the calls from the sideline, adjusting to those calls, and then just being an overall team leader. Uh, he ended up with four tackles last week. Um, and so this is going to be a bigger challenge because of what we talked about with the balance that SMU brings. It brings more challenge to a guy like Danny Stutzman, who's coordinating the defensive attack against the offense. Um, so you got to watch him from two from two perspectives. you got to watch him from the production perspective and how many tackles does he bring uh, to this defense, but also you got to watch it from the leadership perspective as does he get the guys in the right place? Does he make the calls that are the right calls? Does he see the right call from the sideline coming in and so forth? So Stutzman is one guy. I think the other guy you got to watch for uh, on Oklahoma's defense is uh, number four, uh, Justin Harrington. And here's the reason why I think the cheetah position, obviously, I mean, this is captain obvious. I mean, this is a, a better offense, a better, a stronger test for this defense. That means the cheetah position becomes that much um, more important to have, for having success because this is the game where Justin Harrington is going to have to make the decision uh, on 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 pass protection and run protection. You know, he's going to have to if there's if there's quarterback fakes, uh, if there's play action, those type of things. Justin Harrington is going to be the key to this defense thriving or not. And the reason why I just I'm only mentioning Justin Harrington because raise your hand if you know what Desan McCullough is going to do. He he was in a boot for most of the week at practice. Uh, they talked about an ankle sprain. It wasn't a high ankle sprain, but do they try to give Desan McCullough a go at it? If they do give him a go at it, is he a hundred percent healthy? Those are things we don't know. Which turned around just to put more pressure on Justin Harrington. He may get more time in that position than what he had in Week One against Arkansas State just because you don't know what's there with Desan McCullough. So those are the guys, offense and defense, both sides of the ball, I think you should keep an eye on uh, as this game uh, progresses through the first through fourth quarters. As far as score predictions go, let me, let me go back and remind you, Oklahoma's a 14.5, 15.5 point favorite. It has, it has shifted one, I think, initially when I started mapping this out there at 15.5 earlier in the week. Now they're 14.5 as we're less than 24 hours before kickoff. 68.5 point on the over-under. Guys, I, I don't know that I can... At this point, I don't know that I can pick Oklahoma to cover a a spread that's greater than two touchdowns. Um, In fact, I would predict this game to be out, and this is just a trust issue, okay? Uh, So this isn't me being a hater. Uh, This is definitely not me being a homer. It's me needing to see something from this defense that I didn't see last year, and Arkansas State doesn't count because they were that bad, right? I need to see defensive pressure. I need to see coverage downfield. I need to see uh, running lanes and gaps shut up. That's what I need to see. And yes, we got that last week. But again, 
I'm looking at the quality opponent from week one to week two. Now, Tanner Mordecai is not running this offense at SMU, but they're still have the, the ability to be pretty potential, uh, pretty potent, I guess is the word I'm looking at, with Preston Stone. I'm picking this as a closer game. I've got Oklahoma winning, uh, but that, I think the money line is, if I was playing this game, the money line is the only thing I'd feel comfortable with. I don't feel comfortable with the over at 68.5, and I certainly don't feel comfortable with Oklahoma at plus uh, minus 14.5 as a, as, a, as a favorite in this game. So give me a final score somewhere around the neighborhood of you know, a 31 to 26 or something like that. Um, let's go officially. Here's my official score prediction. Let's go 34-28 Oklahoma uh, to win this game. Um, maybe a more comfortable 34-28 uh, game than what it sounds like on paper. Maybe SMU with a late garbage time touchdown or something like that. Uh, but as soon as win, uh, that's the most important part. So let's uh, let's wrap that up, and then we'll, we'll be back next week to talk about some post-game thoughts. Uh, again, you can always find us online, heartland-sports.com. You can find us on Twitter, at uh, Sports Heartland. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your football. I'm gonna be the man.